Let me invite you, before we read uh, Ephesians 5, 19, actually it's uh, through verse 21, that uh, particular passage there, and focus our our attention this morning upon uh, these words in this chapter of Ephesians. Let me remind you, as we uh, gather back together here this morning, uh, that uh, I asked you a question last week. That question is, what is controlling you? What controls you? Is it something or someone? Or is it the work of the Holy Spirit in you? Paul says in these verses that we're going to consider here, Do not get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He says, being filled is a matter of control. He says, being filled there is not an option. It's not something that you may do if you feel like it or not. It is something we must do because we are controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit. Being filled is a process. Because we keep on, keep on being filled. Being filled is not something that any of us can do on our own. Oh, certainly we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, to take off and to put on, and yet we can't do those things without the control of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit working in us. Being filled, Paul says here, is something I must submit to daily, moment by moment, breath by breath. There in that passage last week, we found those two commands, those two imperatives. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And what we're going to see today is these two commands are followed by four words. Four words that indicate there is something going on. On something ongoing because of these things, because of the filling of the Holy Spirit in us and the control of the Holy Spirit of us. Turn with me to Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of the Lord. The grass withers, the flowers fade and fall. But the words, these words of our Lord God endure forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, gracious Lord and King Jesus Christ, please, our triune God, superintend this time that we might hear your voice 
that the one standing in the pulpit today might become less, that you, O Lord God, might become more. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we lift up this prayer to you. In Christ's name, amen. These two commands, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, as I said, are followed by four words that indicate that there's something ongoing here, something continuing to go on as a result of being filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 19. Here's where you find two of those words. Speaking, singing, and verse 20, thanking, and 21, submitting. Speaking, singing, thanking, and submitting. Paul describes here the fruit of lives that are under the control of the Holy Spirit. These certainly are things that we do under the control of the Spirit. All this is a matter of the Holy Spirit controlling our lives. Not just a one-time event, but a process that is ongoing from the time that we make a profession of faith to the time we reach heaven in glory. What is described here in verses 19 through 21 ought to characterize all of our interactions within the body of Christ individually, but also corporately together as the body, as we gather together as Christ's body to worship our God, the one who is our sovereign God. For this is our spiritual service of worship. Notice what Paul says in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. See, this idea of being filled, being controlled by the Spirit, seems to be connected with this idea of getting the focus off of ourselves and getting the focus on God making melody in our hearts to the Lord our God, giving thanks for all things in the name of our Savior, and speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, submitting ourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. How do we actively do that? I mentioned last week, at the heart of doing this, is the word of God. We read in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. What is it that uh, is the, the source of all of our direction, all of our strength, all of our focus as we do all these things controlled by the Spirit? It is the word of Christ rich, richly dwelling within us with all wisdom. Paul says, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God, singing and making melody in our hearts. Maybe something that is very subjective to us. Music is something that stirs the soul. 
But it is the word of Christ that ought to direct our thoughts and our practice as we consider singing and making melody in our hearts, being thankful to our Lord and God. For could we rightly say a thankful heart is a singing heart? I had the privilege of serving in a church in western Alabama in a little town called Marion, Alabama. Marion PCA was established there in 1872. A long history of pastors and people and and students passing through that from Marion Military Institute to Judson College being a part of that body life. I was there in the mid-90s, that is the 1990s, not the 1890s. Over the life of that church, there had been close to, to 300 people or so who filled the pews in that massive building. When I was pastor there, Uh, The congregation had uh, dwindled down, not because I was there, I I trust, but because, uh, you know, churches go through different phases in life. Highs and lows and strengths and weaknesses, and the average attendance was probably much like here on a Sunday, in a given Sunday morning, not too different from this, our Lord's Day. A huge part of their worship there as it is here with individuals in this this church, is singing. Singing accompanied by a piano. There was a, a, a wonderful pianist there as we have here and someone who played the, the, the pipe organ, uh, a grand organ that was there in that facility. And it just so happened that one of the people there One of the saints there by the name of Evelyn, the matriarch of a family of of singers. Evelyn would would come into the church building during the week to arrange uh, choral music and hymnals and tidy things up in the choir loft. And sometimes when she was there, I would be in my study upstairs a few uh, yards away from her and could hear her singing making melody in her heart to the Lord. Now she wouldn't often, if ever, stop in and say, I'm here in the building, I'm going to be doing these things. But I knew that she was there, even without her saying that she was there, because I could hear the sweet sound of her voice singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. One of the greatest evidences of being filled with the Spirit is this concept, this idea of making melody in our hearts to the Lord, singing music and songs. And it doesn't have to be uh, words. It can be humming or whistling or even just thinking in our heart, a melody that we can't get out of our heads. We hear God's people in all ages of all times giving thanks to God through song. When Israel escaped from Egypt and crossed over into the Red Sea, what did they do? Do you remember what they did? They sang 
a song, the song of Moses. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider has been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Later on in that same paragraph, Miriam answers these people who are singing as she sings antiphonally. Uh, one group singing and the other group responding. Marian, Mar- Miriam answers them and sings to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider have been hurled into the sea. Singing was so much a part of their worship that it had a very special place in the tabernacle and ultimately the temple. Hananiah, the chief of the Levites, was in charge of the singing, giving instruction and singing because he was skillful. He had a gift that a God had given him to encourage God's people to sing and make melody in her hearts. The Psalms were intended to be sung as God's people gathered together to proclaim His wonderful works and His grace among His people with music and melody as they gathered together in Solomon's temple to worship. Singing and the prophets, the time of the prophets, the singing didn't stop except for a time when God's judgment had fallen upon God's people. The prophets sang of God's salvation, but also warned of God's judgments. Reminding God's people that singing is an act of the heart that acknowledges God's goodness. The prophets called those people of God to repentance. Or if they didn't turn from their evil ways, warning them, the prophets did, that there would come a day when there would be no singing. And the sound of silence would overwhelm the joy of their promised salvation. Consider Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 34. Then I will make to cease from the cities of Judah. Now remember, Jeremiah is the prophet speaking God's words to God's people. And this is God ultimately speaking through Jeremiah, the prophet. Then I will make to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. And there is singing with that wedding procession. For the land will become a ruin and a desolation. God also speaks through the prophet Ezekiel. These words, 26 verse 13. So I will silence the sound of your songs. And the sound of your harps will be heard no more. Singing doesn't stop though as we move from the Old Testament and the prophets and even the words of judgment as we move into the New Testament. We hear singing. In both places, through all of the people. Jesus and the apostles, remember what they did after the Last Supper was served? We do that traditionally when we serve the Lord's Supper. We sing a hymn. 
Jesus and the apostles sang after that Last Supper and before they went out into the Mount of Olives. Paul speaks of, in 1 Corinthians 14, of praying with the Spirit and with the mind. Singing with the Spirit and with the mind also. James chapter 5, verse 13 asks, Is anyone cheerful? Let him grumble and complain. No, James says, He is to sing praises to our God. In the last book of our English Bibles, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, we see and we hear the four living creatures and the 24 elders, the full complement of the saints of all ages, falling down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, singing a new song. And they sang the song of Moses. That song of freedom, that song of redemption, that song of salvation. The bondservant of God and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. You see, if we worship, if worship through the ages has, has involved the joining of voices together in song, then why does this particular activity, out of all the activities that we gather together to uh, be a part of on our Lord's Day, cause so much division and even separation? Because music is so emotional, sometimes so subjective, There's something uh, that is called worship wars, almost like a show on one of the the channels on TV called BattleBots. Here is worship wars. People struggling against one another about singing or not singing, about using instruments or no instruments, about singing psalms only, Traditional hymns, praise chorus, worship bands, praise teams, using instruments in the context of singing. All of these are questions that go on today, and I believe it's because the enemy, we know who he is, seeks to divide and conquer in this area that often gets to be so personal. We don't fully understand, I believe, the type of music. And I'll explain that as we get toward the end here. The type of music that God loves. We try to figure out how to please men and women in our worship and service rather than how to please God who has called us and instructs us on worship and honoring Him. So Paul says here, sing and make melody in your heart. The psalmist uh, sort of echoes this when he writes... Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. What kind of music is pleasing to God? How are we going to go about obeying these commands? Making a joyful noise to the Lord. We do so by being filled with the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit, letting the Word of Christ dwell richly in us, expressing the fullness of the Spirit with singing that conveys the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Let me say this. Christian singing is not natural. Now, did you get that? 
Christian singing is not natural. And I've heard some of you sing, and it is not. (laughs) It must be supernatural. Christian singing is not natural. It is something that is, is done and accomplished supernaturally. Making a joyful noise. The Holy Spirit is God. God is supernatural. And His Spirit fills His people to act in certain ways. Ways that go beyond our human ability to even sing. So that even a joyful noise can be pleasing to God. We get a glimpse of what being filled with the Holy Spirit is in the the previous verses of this passage here in Ephesians where Paul says being filled with the Spirit, he he draws this this analogy in, in saying don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Getting drunk with wine means being, being controlled by that substance, by that wine. And when you're under the control of something, it masters you and makes you feel and act in certain ways. So he says, rather be filled with the Spirit. Which means being controlled by the Spirit so that we can feel and act in certain ways, driven by the Spirit, singing and making melody in our hearts. Now there's a, a type of singing that can be offensive to God. Singing that is not a work of the Holy Spirit. Singing that draws attention to the accomplishments of men. Draws our attention away from the work of the Holy Spirit and His fruit to us. Draws attention to ourselves and our own accomplishments. I mean, the prophet Amos wrote these words to God's people here. He says, take away from me the noise of your songs. God's people were singing what they thought was praises to God, and yet Amos, inspired by God, told them, take from me the noise of your songs because it's offensive to me. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So how are we to go about obeying this command? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. With singing that comes from the heart. Full of the gracious love of God. Where we find Christ Jesus dwelling in us. The fullness of the Spirit comes from the heart. Or a heart that sings is a thankful heart. What's the opposite of singing and making melody with the heart? Singing and making melody with the heart. The heart. Singing and making melody with words. With our voices. With our mouths. The idea of making music with our hearts is music that comes from the depth of our souls. Music that involves more than just going through the motions. Music that moves. Singing. That thinks about what we are singing. We're doing that, and we do that, by allowing the Lord to direct us through His Word. True worship, we can truly say, is God-centered. To use a big word, theocentric. God-centered. Given to God through Christ. So in a sense, it's Christ-centered. 
Christocentric as well, but not just God-centered in that everything in worship relates to God, but God-centered in that everything in worship is done toward God. Why are we here this morning? Out of habit? Because we live in the South, and this is what we do at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings? I trust it's because we desire to offer up ourselves living and holy sacrifices pleasing to God. Everything in worship is done toward God, in the presence of God, with a view to God's hearing it and seeing it and loving it, with a desire that God receive it in His hearing with approval and delight. When we sing, whether we're singing directly to God, you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Or whether we're singing indirectly to God, as in the hymn, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Or whether we're singing uh, words, great is thy faithfulness, or holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise, directed toward God, moving toward God. We should want to linger in the presence of the Lord, speaking to the Lord about what we think and feel in response to who He is. And we do that through song. Worship is at its heart God-word, not man-word. Music that pleases God is spirit-driven, heartfelt, and God-centered. This activity ought to be seriously joyful, or maybe we can say joyfully serious. And as good Presbyterians, we're not, we find it pretty easy to be serious. But joyful in our singing and song, make a joyful noise to the Lord. How are we to go about obeying this command, making a joyful noise to the Lord? We do it by singing that is focused on God's sovereign goodness. Singing that is focused on God's sovereign goodness. Look at verse 20. Paul says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Giving thanks for all things. Doesn't say some things. It doesn't say sometimes. It says all things, always. And that is sort of unsettling, isn't it? In the depth of our souls, that is an unsettling idea unless we have a deep, deep biblical Theological appreciation of God's sovereign goodness. God is not good sometimes. He is good all the time. And in every way, God is good. And even then, when we understand that with our heads, it's something that's difficult to grasp. But this uh, concept is, is something that when we grasp, we understand how we can... Enjoy with one another our successes. And in the midst of our joy in Christ, weep with one another in our weaknesses when we weep. Paul said this. He said, abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Weep with those who weep. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not an easy thing to do. 
But it's a necessary thing to do in the midst of the horrible circumstances, sickness, lostness, sinfulness of this world, yet there's a way to see in all things the hand of God moving for the glory of His name and the good of His people without discounting the reality of suffering in the world. Consider Joseph and his brothers. What you meant evil against me, God meant it for good. In order to bring about the present result, to preserve many people alive. Another man of suffering that we're very familiar with in the Old Testament is Job. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things. And you remember the terrible afflictions he went through. You can do all things. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. How are we going to go about obeying this command? Singing and making melody in our hearts. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. We do so by joining our voices together, uniting our voices together as one in worship. There's strength in numbers in this body, greater than any one individual, speaking to one another, speaking to myself. No, it says speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Here is one of the clearest mandates I believe, for corporate worship in the New Testament. Corporate worship today. How can you sing and make melody in your hearts together with the Lord? Speaking to one another, doing this, if you're alone. You have to do it together. There are reasons for this corporate dimension to worship. Being together, singing to each other and not just alone. So that when we're singing, in a way I have enjoyed seeing your heads up And the the words up here, so that you're singing here and not singing here in front of your book. I mean, that's, that's hard to express so that you can appreciate it. You really have to be up here to see it, but it it makes a huge difference that you're singing to one another. Being together and singing to each other and not just alone intensifies our emotions for God and communicates our witness to God and unifies our corporate worship before God so that with one accord we all together may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask this question once again that I started with. What kind of music pleases God? All this that gives us a a, a practice that what we're doing here for a time that is coming when we will be gathered around God's throne of grace and reality and lift up our voices with the saints of all ages for real singing to Him, I believe. Making music before God with our hearts and voices and minds and souls totally and completely. Will we sing opera? Will we sing jazz? Will we sing blues or will it be classical? Will there be choruses, simple praise? Will there be singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Will we sing in English or will it be the, the, the language of heaven, Hebrew? The type of songs, the specific words are not so much the answer to this question, what kind of music pleases God, but it is music that comes from A heart focused totally and completely, mind, body, soul, and strength 
offering it up to God. Some of you may be familiar with Johann Sebastian Bach, 17th century German composer who was of the Baroque period of time. He finished all of his writing with these three words, Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. This was his motto. He signed all of his work, whether it was the sacred St. Matthew's Passion or a little work that he did called the Secular Coffee Cantata, SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, because he believed everything we do should be to God's glory alone. He believed there was no separation between the sacred and the secular, that all we do is directed to the glory of God. So you see, it's not so much a type of music that we are to sing. It's an attitude that we have as we come before God to worship Him. Singing that expresses the fullness of God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, is singing that is directed to the triune God, comes from the heart, filled with the Spirit and the love of God in Christ, and totally focused without distraction or hesitation on His goodness joined together in fellowship with the saints of all ages. See, that happens in small part here and in an imperfect way, but one day we will be gathered together and sing perfectly, making music to our Lord. Now, Revelation 5, 14. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with Him 144,000, the full complement of the saints of all ages, having His name, the name of His Father, written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of thunder, loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And what did they do? They sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the song except those 144,000 who had been purchased from Then I looked, and I heard that voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the numbers of them was myriads, myriads, too many to number, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and might, honor and glory, and blessing. Amen. See, as we close here today, I'd like us to join our voices together in, with anticipation of what we will be doing in perfection with the saints of all ages as we kneel before Him who sits on the throne and lift up our voices in praise to the Lamb, blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Would you join with me Something that is familiar to us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. May this be our prayer as we leave here today. Making music and melody in our hearts to the Lord. Won't you stand with me as we sing together? Spirit of the
pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we do pray that your spirit would fall fresh on each of us. Break us, molding, filling us, fall fresh on each of us. That we might sing to your glory and your honor through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.